0: Hello and welcome back to Miss Macintosh My Darling. The commentary. I'm gonna try and do this outside, but it is windy and cool. So not sure. We're on chapter 70 and it is a really long chapter with over hundred paragraphs. So pretty sure we're gonna split this up into two parts. Character list is Vera Cartwheel, Catherine Cartwheel, Mrs. Hogden, Logden, Fogden, Dogden, Bogden, and Lisa Lund. Synopsis, Vera settles into her hotel room now that things have quieted down and tells the story of Mrs. Hogden. 1. Things finally settle down in the next room. Vera thought she might have been able to sleep and dream. Perhaps I was awake and dreaming of the past as if the past persisted. Vera starts to talk about a faceless woman, a Mrs. Hogden. She describes Mrs. Hogden as fat, corporeal, moon-eyed, not beautiful, waddling in and out of my dreams. She thought Mrs. Hogden was meant as a substitute for Miss McIntosh, who had told her that I must never waste my time daydreaming or even night-dreaming. She would have disapproved of most ardently, and then it was of her I dreamed the most when she was dead, in fact of her only. Miss McIntosh, with a firm hand and a resolute mind, and the unswerving ideal of common sense, brought me up to understand that my mother's way of life was far from average, and was not to be imitated by a good woman such as she saw me becoming. A woman like herself, simple and average and clear-eyed. Two, Mrs. Hogden came years later to stay in the same room as Miss McIntosh. Miss McIntosh had wanted Vera to be brought up as a kindly extrovert. Introversion was something she simply could not bear. Three, Vera swears she never saw Mrs. Hogden, only heard her behind her when she wearied of Miss McIntosh, whom I had seen with terrible clarity. It was a trick of my imagination, the substituting of the one for the other. She says Miss McIntosh and Mrs. Hogden are completely different. 4. Catherine, Vera's mother, has a young companion named Lisa Lund. Lisa Lund took Vera's place when carrying a large suitcase, I escaped from my mother's house. Lisa describes Mrs. Hogden as a fat old woman of dubious character, a shoplifter, or something equally vicious. Lisa Lund was a physicist who was working with Catherine in order to pay for her own mother, who was poor and mad and dreamed that she was rich, even as my mother dreamed that she was poor. Lisa Lund prided herself on seeing immediately through Mrs. Hogden's pretensions. It is too cold. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I can move inside. Oh my gosh. And I gotta get my boy inside. It's too cold, isn't it? We should go inside. Come on, let's go inside. I wanted to have my kitty outside with me. But it's too cold, so let's go. Come on. You know you can walk on a harness. Come on. Yes you can. That's a good boy. Come go on. Yes, I know we're going back inside. Yeah. Let me take off your harness. There. It's magic. Don't bite there. I go play. Let's go do what you want to do. Oh, I even took a cold drink outside. It's hot in my house. No, 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 no. You get back. Well, I thought I'd try. Okay. While Vera was gone, Mrs. Hogden showed up with all her things piled into a two-door Ford which died as soon as it reached their driveway. Mrs. Hogden said she was a math teacher. Lisa Lund could tell she was a shoplifter that her sister watched out for in the ten-cent store give a big thing of 10 cent stores and so I'm gonna oh goodness okay play with my shoe okay I put a lot of information about 10 cent stores but so I'm gonna cut that down. Okay a 10 cent store which goes by a variety of other names in the US was first established by Frank Winfield Woolworth who had been who had seen the success in Michigan and western New York of nickel stores where everything cost five cents. equivalency today would be five and below in the US which is not five and below anymore I don't think in 1879 Woolworth opened his great five-cent store in Etica New York and it was his later success and expansion of that format as the WF Woolworth company that would create the American institution of the five and ten cent store five and ten five and dime or dime store okay I'm gonna leave it there I added a lot more information about that Which I don't, which is although very interesting, I'm not sure we need. Okay. A small side story is of a man Lisa Lund's sister caught shoplifting egg beaters in order to be closer to his dead wife. His attic is full of his attic was full of egg beaters. Five, Vera believes that her life also requires that the shoplifting man has a lost companion, not merely the self centered affliction of the right hand loving the left. What good is an egg beater with no eggs? What are you playing with just stop it uh, really everyone else is quiet and you're the only one causing me grief okay okay vera also believes that her life requires what the shoplifting man, man has a lost companion not merely this self-centered affliction of the right hand loving the left what good is an egg beater with no eggs Perhaps there were people who were doomed to disappointment. Mrs. Hogden whispered to Vera, which scared her as if she had heard a ghost. Vera describes Mrs. Hogden. She had a slightly aggressive chin, which betrayed perhaps her true character. She looked like a panhandler. Like other characters, Miss Hogden is covered in mismatched clothes and wears fur coats, kind of like Madge on the bus. She was a creature, and Mr. Spitzer at one point, she was a creature compounded of illusions, Her pockets were full of objects. She had all her belongings packed in cardboard boxes tied with strings. She had an empty birdcage. She wore a row of Javanese temple bells, a tape measure and string of beads around her neck. Mrs. Hogden announced that Catherine was waiting for her. She thought Lisa Lund was Catherine's daughter. Poor Lisa Lund, the amateur physicist. But are not all physicists amateurs? I... I swear, Kat. So this one was a really cool line um, uh, that I thought of. That uh, Lisa's an amateur physicist, but are not all physicists amateurs? Meaning, all physicists are amateurs? Amateurs compared to? God, somebody who created the whole thing and they're just trying to figure out what he created. A physicist is a scientist who specializes in the field of physics which encompasses the interactions of matter and energy in the physical universe. Physicists generally are rooted in the root or ultimate causes of phenomena usually frame their understanding in mathematical terms. Physicists work across a wide range of research fields from practice particle physics to encompassing the whole universe. She wonders if they are amateurs as compared to God. Eight, Mrs. Hogden mumbled, so Lisa Lund also thought she said Logden. Mrs. Hogden explained Catherine had hired her without an interview because they both understood that truth is beauty and beauty is truth. Mrs. Hogden had brought everything that she owned and sold her home. She wanted James the chauffeur to bring in her things. Her car had died as soon as she arrived. Nine, Lisa Lund thought Mrs. Hogden looked like an old alcoholic. All right, I need something to entertain my cat. and preferably something quiet. 10, Mrs. Hogden urged Lisa Lund to go tell her mother she was here and wondered where she should unpack her things. 11. Mrs. Hogden claimed to have received a letter from Catherine at an agency offering a job for the rest of her natural life, but no longer. Mrs. Hogden had been delighted by the prospect of an endless employment in such a situation as was carefully described. She sold the Dutch windmill, which was her home in Upper Long Island, and brought all the personal items she could carry. There is only one authentic Dutch windmill, (coughs) De Swan, in the city of Holland, Michigan. The windmill's name is Dutch for the Swan of Graceful Bird. It is the oldest authentic working Dutch mill in the United States. There's one is located in windmill. Okay, wait, wait, wait. There are windmills? Never mind, I'm taking some of this off. Because the Dutch windmill obviously is in my mind. Uh referring to Don Quixote. Oh shoot. There are windmills in different parts of the U S let's see in this case. Ah, Don Quixote. Mrs. Hogden said of her decision, the longest life seemed short, she smiled. Hers was perhaps the gift of prophecy. Twelve, the staff was confused as to whether her name was Mrs. Hogden or Mrs. Logden. Nobody cared to know. Catherine cites Shakespeare, a rose by another name would smell a sweet from Romeo and Juliet. thirteen Lisa London insinuates Mrs. Hogden smells. 14. Mrs. Hogden talks about living alone in the Dutch windmill, among sand and snow, and an arctic turn. It bothered, bothered her that the bird was compelled by his own nature to circle the earth from pole to pole, as if it were some kind of mere, minor planet on its course in the starry, endless heavens. But for what reason would he fly from one bleak spot to another, and why had he always singled her out, and why did he sit and stare at her? She thought the bird was perverse, or it was an accident, insisted it was the same bird every year. The sounds similar to the immortal canary. Uh, immortal canary of Catherine's. The Dutch was isolated, so Mrs. Hogden was very excited to receive Catherine's letter, offering her or a woman like her a job for the rest of her natural life, but no longer, why it had seemed a solution to her problems to come as quickly as possible before it was too late. She hurried to their house and was not followed by the bird. There was a naughty child who threw snowballs at her. She had traveled from the coast inland and back to the coast to reach their house. Mrs. Hogden thought it was wise that Catherine had black curtains over all the windows facing the ocean. Who would want to look at the ocean? Mrs. Hogden picked up a blackboard and chalk on her way to the house, which my mother had instructed her to bring for their first lesson in arithmetic. Two and two always making four. That was all my mother wished to be taught over and over again, since her last companion, a young physics teacher, had confused her most shamefully and ought to be ashamed of herself. Catherine is speaking of Lisa Lund. Now the sick room was to become a classroom, and Mrs. Hogden was supposed to start teaching right away. She needed tea with a peppermint dissolved in it, which actually sounds really good. They would then have their first lesson in addition. Mrs. Hogden predicted beaming, or they could begin with subtraction. Fifteen, Mrs. Hogden tells Lisa London math world word problem. If Farmer Brown had four apples and you took two apples away from him, dear, dear, that would be unkind. How many apples would Farmer Brown have left? There is no Farmer Brown, of course. There must You must first imagine him. How many apples he has, has not. How many you take away from him and those he has not. Dear, dear, Mrs. Hogden asked for real apples in order to make her demonstrations. Visual education being so progressive. Sixteen, there is a problem with Mrs. Hogden being there because Catherine does not remember inviting anyone to teach her arithmetic, declaring that she had never heard of such a person and had certainly made no arrangements with her or any agency representing her. She was an imposter, a liar, a daydreamer, a thief. My mother had never written a letter to Mrs. Hogden in her life, and that was that. Catherine wanted her thrown out. Lisa Lund acted as a messenger because Mrs. Hogden was not leaving and knew so much of my mother's life, even her dream life. Catherine seems to have dictated a letter in a rhapsodic mood. Catherine agreed that what Mrs. Hogden knew was faintly impressive, but she did not know who Mrs. Hogden was and did not want to see her. 17, Mrs. Hogden claims to have a letter proving who she is, but can't find it. She claimed to have descended from three signers of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, shoot. She was an American citizen, none of these fish-headed Phoenicians. Fish-headed Phoenicians may refer to Dagon or Dagon, who was a god worshipped in ancient Syria as a father of gods. According to the Hebrew Bible, Dagon was also the national god of the Philistines. Since they don't care what her name is, they often change her name and call her Hogden, Logden, Fogden, or a combination of those names. Mrs. Hogden wonders about Mr. Rez Takama. She said he was a delightful gentleman who was going to learn math with Catherine. Catherine warned he was shy and might not speak but only cough. Apparently, Mr. Rez Takama was also allergic to face powder, which Mrs. Hogden wore a lot of. 18. Lisa Lundy yells, Rez Takama is nothing but a drug bottle. Mrs. Hogden ignored her. Even though Mrs. Hogden appeared omniscient, she did not realize that James, the faithful chauffeur, could not possibly do so, for the reason that, when last seen, when last heard of, he was driving a taxicab in Nome, Alaska, where he had gone to shoot a moose. James had always wanted to shoot something, a moose or a policeman or a small deer. He used to shoot rats at the Boston city dump a long time ago. And you remember James, if you remember James, the chauffeur from the very beginning of the story, tried to abduct, he was, let's see, he was hired as a chauffeur, even though he was accused of raping his last mistress and had tried to kill Catherine's father, had like a scheme to kill Catherine's father and abduct Catherine and take her to Alaska. And then, I don't know, I think there's some illusion that he would have done away with Catherine there. Like He's not a nice guy. Um, 19, Vera says, God, if there is a God cannot know everything, there must be at least one small warped flower growing contrary to the ideal of unity outside the consciousness of God, outside his field, and that would be the crucial flower, of course, the important one. 20, Mrs. Hogden thought everything was perfect, ideal, everything was simply divine. She recognized the house from Catherine's description. 21, Mrs. Hogden was expecting this wonderful job with room and board, paid, there were no expenses. She would receive a salary and her funeral would be paid just for teaching math. She was thankful and could see herself living here to a ripe old age. Mrs. Hogden was thankful for everything, especially her college degree. Mrs. Hogden hoped that Lisa Lund was impressed. Mrs. Hogden was a graduate of the Rhode Island State Teachers College. She had the document but couldn't find it right now. Rhode Island College was established in 1854. Twenty-two. Mrs. Hogden says she is going to like living here and she's always wanted Social Security. She wonders how many servants there are. Catherine had boasted there was a servant for every servant. Mrs. Hogden was told there was a servant who would wait on her. Lisa Lund had to admit she probably wasn't a shoplifter, but she didn't look like a teacher either. There was something so evasive about her, something that evaded definition. She was hard to classify. Mrs. Hogden looked around and contemplated the pleasant prospect of spending the rest of her natural life in such a spacious house, and how tell her with finality that she was not wanted, that she had not even been expected. She was so blandly sure of herself. Lisa Lund started to believe she had been invited. Mrs. Hogden described as being obese, wearing a shapeless dress. She said she was there to provide my mother with common sense and simple arithmetic. 23. Mrs. Hogden could not be discouraged. 24. Mrs. Hogden complains that Catherine's nonsensical companion not realizing she is talking to her, Lisa Lund. She claims to be more experienced than Lisa, and I have come to put an end to all this confusion. Catherine has described Lisa Lund as never noticing anything and a daydreamer. Young girls are no mystery to me, though generally I prefer the primary grades. Little girls are so much more helpless. 25. Catherine had told Mrs. Hogden that she was dissatisfied with Lisa Lund. Mrs. Hogden was going to provide her now with her wonderful knowledge of the exact relations existing between quantities or magnitudes or operations and how to arrive at them, all to be done in easy lessons simple enough for a child of three to understand. Mrs. Hogden had apples to explain her math. Twenty-nine, Miss Hogden has enough apples to eat and wonders when dinner is served and how she should dress. She wonders what important people will be at dinner. <coughs> Mrs. Hogden described as luring a nightmare the thing which is real and more horrible than anything imaginable 28. Mrs. Hogden bless you Mrs. Hogden says she's hungry needs her tea and James she will scold him about shooting small animals 29. Lisa Lund shouts that James is in Alaska he left 25 years ago 30. Mrs. Hogden's shoes are wet. I should have worn my rhinestone heels. 31. Catherine still refused to see Mrs. Hogden and blame Lisa Lund. Lisa Lund decided to enjoy the embarrassing situation. She ran back and forth with meaningless messages between the two and she would do nothing to interpret either character to the other. <laughs> Mrs. Hogden rebutted every objection from Catherine glad you're having fun. Thirty-two, Mrs. Hogden lists her reasoning. She was promised she would head to the great dinner parties when Catherine traveled outside the house. Thirty-three, says, Catherine says a toad is eating her face, and that's why she can't meet, meet her. Mrs. Hogden had expected that to happen, so it was not a problem. She made herself comfortable. Thirty-four, Catherine realized she couldn't get rid of Mrs. Hogden unless she called the police. She wouldn't because she did not trust the law. Catherine finally admitted she may have dictated a letter to an employment agency. She had not asked for a permanent companion. She herself being a temporary person in a temporary world, a world likely to dissolve into mist and shimmering. What would she do with a permanent companion in a temporary world? She had changed since then and did not know herself. It was a well-known fact that my mother had killed her former self and that my mother's former self was walking through the house while my mother lay while my mother lay, was dead, added, subtracted, multiplied, divided. Oh, I see what I want to do there. 35, Catherine explained, I'm not the person I once was. I have changed. I have lost my mind several times. I am not responsible for my actions. Please go without further notice. Thirty-six, Lisa Lund thought Mrs. Hogden should stay the night since it was winter. Catherine didn't care. This house, far from being a hotel, a public madhouse, was a private madhouse. You are making me much sicker. Thirty-seven, Mrs. Hogden disagreed. She did believe that the insane see truths, and the same can never see. See truths the same can never see. Thirty-eight, if Mr. Hogden was alive, he would have thought the house was a department store. He had worked one. He had died at work. Thirty-nine, Mrs. Hogden says, I have never looked so well kept. I did not have a friend in the world until now. Forty, Catherine said there was no room and no bed for Mrs. Hogden. Mrs. Hogden replied she could sleep anywhere. <clears throat> she had brought her own mattress with her. Catherine said there was no food in the house. Mrs. Hogden claimed she never ate because she was reducing. She wanted nothing. Forty one, Miss Hogden says solving puzzles is her specialty and she won a radio. Things that confused other people never confused her. Besides, she added she was Catholic in her tastes. Forty two, Vera says if she closes her eyes and concentrates, she can see her or Miss McIntosh. 43. Vera insists she's never seen Mrs. Logden, Hogden, Fogden. Only Vera and the servants went to Mrs. McIntosh's old rooms. So perhaps I could be forgiven if I confused the two women from this distance, different as they were. Everybody is lonely. 44. Mrs. Hogden was assigned those rooms because since Mrs. McIntosh's disappearance, they were used for as a catch-all for useless, they were used as a catch-all for useless or forgotten objects. Vera describes Mrs. Hogden standing there with eyes gleaming. Forty-five, Vera continues describing Mrs. Hogden with rolling of loose misshapen flesh, the wrinkled breasts hanging like bags of whey, the swollen stomach with a depressed navel, and then how her short legs seeming had grown, seemingly had grown together, were covered by a blue web. Forty-six, Vera thought Mrs. Hogden seemed headless. Forty-seven, Vera thinks if Mrs. Hogden was a teacher, she should have been in paradise. Instead, she kicked the boxes and groaned. Forty-eight, Mrs. Hogden mimics the cuckoo clock. Forty-nine, Catherine hoped By making Mrs. Hogden uncomfortable, she would leave. My mother, however, did not know Mrs. Hogden or her capacity for optimism. 50. Everything pleased Mrs. Hogden. She was always smiling and was comfortable whether talking or silent. She gaped at the gargoyles by the fireplace. She had, like them, a symmetry in her derangement. 51. Perhaps it was true that nothing could amaze her. Perhaps she was only amazed that she was not amazed. 52. Catherine realized Mrs. Hogden was parasitically occupying the house and not as she would have liked, an apparition among many a merely imagined being still refused to be taught arithmetic. She didn't know what all the fuss was about, was about math. She did not trust Mrs. Hogden. She was sure Mrs. Hogden was mad as a loon, for only a mad woman would keep repeating the same lesson over and over. Catherine became agitated and took enough dream-inducing medications enough to kill an ordinary person, but she was not ordinary. Mr. Restacama, the drug bottle, my mother's only permanent companion. 53. Catherine, when she was lucid, would ask about the household of Mrs. Hogden. She ordered $6,000 worth of slightly damaged Irish linen from a linen store that was going out of business again due to fire and flood. 54. Catherine was going to open a hotel that would admit Jews and Negroes. It would also admit seabirds. 55. By doing this, she would force Mrs. Hogden to pay. Fifty-six, this exhausted Catherine, she believed Mrs. Hogden was Cousin Hannah. Fifty-seven, Mrs. Hogden looked forward to meeting Catherine. Everything was lovely, ideal, and how she was having an even more wonderful time than she had expected. Fifty-eight, Mrs. Hogden was only concerned about her bed but could not complain. She claimed to be a descendant of Daniel Boone, William the Conqueror, and Alexander Graham Bell. Daniel Boone was an American pioneer and frontiersman whose exploits made him one of the first folk heroes of the United States. William the Conqueror was the first Norman King of England, reigning from 1066, Alexander Graham Bell was a Scottish-born inventor, scientist, and engineer who was credited with patenting the first practical telephone. She was happy, so happy, it was disgusting to witness her foolish happiness and her expectations of what the future would be, whether long or short. 59. Nip and tuck means closely contested. Catherine and Mrs. Hogden were enjoying themselves immoderately. 60. Catherine sunk into a deep coma for longer periods of time and occasionally asked after Mrs. Hogden. Sixty-one, Vera says she never saw Mrs. Hogden, but her shadow falls across my soul. She was only a substitute, after all, for the dream life I wanted. She was my mind's betrayal of my mind. Sixty-two, Vera decides Mrs. Hogden is important to me for her own sake. How can we de- confine our life to our actual life? Sixty-three, Mrs. Hogden was different from Miss Macintosh in many ways. She was always busy with her personal appearance. She never took a bath, and smelled. They were similar in that they didn't have any friends outside the house. They were lone women, a little past middle age. Sixty-four. Catherine and Mrs. Hogden belonged in the room of cast-off things from my childhood, and my fa- father's most useless collection of dolls exhumed from children's graves. Mrs. Hogden had cleared a space for herself. She was at home in the midst of her discomfort. She looked as if she were permanently adjusted to her temporary situation. She was physically opposite of Miss McIntosh. Neither were popular, but Mrs. Hogden did not think of herself as a servant. She acted as if she were when she envisioned herself as being the mistress of the house, at least a close personal friend of the hostess, who was temporarily indisposed. 65. The servants thought, who was she to give herself airs? Let her find out for herself that Mr. Restacamo was a drug bottle. 66, Mrs. Hogden was not puzzled by this treatment. She ate in the dining room and dressed and undressed, but that showed the dirt which had gra- been ground into her back. Such a woman being when there was no audience could never complain of being neglected. The dining room table was always set for 12 persons, and she never once asked who they were or why they had not appeared. Mrs. Hogden was happy and acted as if she owned the house. Sixty-eight, Mrs. Hogden took long tours through the house, guessing the cost of things. Expansive, waddling, unamazed, Mrs. Hogden would explore every room, touching every precious article, leaving her fingerprints upon the whitish dust, with a sigh to think that there could be so much beauty in desolation itself. She picked up a back-scratcher and took it back to her room. 69 Mrs. Hodgkin would scratch her back for hours her face wore an empty blissful ludicrous expression she played the radio that she wanted by solving a puzzle all the time she was surrounded by dead flies vera thinks the radio's voice as her ver- vera thinks the radio's voice is her version of mr restacama she was always happy even when the news of some tragedy interrupted her program she is described as being gross by her mouth hanging open, picking her nose, gargling, and laying down her hair with her spit. Seventy. Baron Lisa Lund marveled at all the ways Mrs. Hogden had been amusing herself. Lisa Lund says, it is all right to talk out loud to yourself, but when you get to answering your own questions, then you are crazy as a loon. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's a really, 70 is a, a good chapter. Uh, Which uh, enjoy the laughs because it'll prepare you for the last 10 chapters, which are incredibly dark and disturbing. So cool. All right. Thank you. for Sorry for all the the, uh, interruptions. Yes, Kat, I'm blaming you. Uh, Thank you for listening. Bye.